You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories that caught our eye over the last week. In tonight's episode, which was an emergency unscheduled recording that took place on the evening of March 8th, 2023, Aaron and I dumped out our coffee, clenched our fists, and said, Tim Hortons, we aren't going to take it anymore. In this episode, we're going to hear from Scott, who's one of the victims of a cruel bait-and-switch that left several honest, hard-working Canadians feeling like Tim Hortons owes them $10,000. We're also going to stare dumbfounded at a lazy Big Mac innovation two years in the making, we'll mourn a graveyard strike, and we'll get our nails done after driving a Jeep into a bakery. So we got a lot to cover. Let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. Last time we recorded, I introduced you as Handsome Friggin' Aaron Airport, but that was because mm-hmm. of tea and it was I was going a little bit. You nuts. were really teed up. Yeah, you were teed off. Well, guess what? Listen no, to you're me. back on the tea. Listen you're to at this. Oh, we're ready. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm ready to go. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. This is a quick turnaround for us. Yeah. Well, we're recording a couple days early, but this is not a regular night. There's a pretty good reason we're here tonight. I think um, for months, for years that we've been doing this, perhaps for our entire lives, we've been at the front lines of the battle that Canada, that Canadians, honest, hardworking Canadians were waging against Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. seems like Tim Hortons just started to fight back. And I think the only thing we could think to do to help people is throw the mics on and start spreading awareness about what they're up to. But let's yeah. not, let's not jump right into it. We got some stuff. Okay. To go okay. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go on this one. Oh yeah. We're fired up. Yeah. Um, let's, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you the dreaded question. A- anything new, anything going on before I jump into telling you about stuff? Do you got anything you want to say? I unfortunately have nothing to report other than just my pure, unadulterated hatred for Tim Hortons. <laughs> let's um, let's start with some listener mail. Oh, this... we have some. Okay. I well, didn't think we'd have any because we're kind of recording on an off night here. No, no. This is, uh, and this is big. This This isn't a voicemail. This isn't an email. If you go on the Nighttime Podcast website in uh, the contact section, I have a physical mailing address where people can mail things. Every so often we get nice little things like we got uh, the the cool collage art from Ellen down in the States not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a nice big package today addressed to the Nighttime Podcast and Aaron Airport. Uh, <laughs> I've okay. I've took the liberty of opening it just to make sure. Okay, I didn't so there's want to no like, anthrax in it. Okay, I didn't want to. I just turn my camera off and just forget <laughs> it ever happened. I, well, I mean, you're the one opening it, so you're taking all the physical risk. Yeah, you're safe. This came in the mail today. Came with a letter. Let me read the letter here. All it right. Says, "Dear Jordan and handsome Aaron Airport, we're big fans of the Keep Canada Weird series and enjoy both of your personalities, comments, and on-air interactions." Well, we don't always agree with all of your opinions, and wouldn't that make a dull show if only the replies to your comments were me too. They're always good for discussion between you two as well as ourselves, and we're quite pleased that Aaron is remaining co-host on the podcast. 
We're writing to you today after listening to your February 19th episode of Keep Canada Weird. Contained in one of the viewer comments was a reference to handsome Aaron Airport being a bit salty, a reference that Aaron didn't seem to appreciate very much. But as the owners of a local business called Salty Scotian, we've embraced the term <laughs> salty and turned it around to look at, to look at it as a positive thing in hopes that the two of you can similarly embrace your inner or overt saltiness. We're sending each of you a t-shirt and a Cape Breton beach resin ornament from Salty Scotian. We hope you like and enjoy them. Take care, fellas, and keep up the entertaining shows. Sincerely, Yvette and Mike in Cole Harbor. Wow, so, Cole Harbor, yeah. So here's All the right. thing he sent. This is like like wood in the shape of Cape Breton Island, but there's some kind of like epoxy or beach glass or something on it. Yeah, yeah. So we got two of these ornaments of oh, Cape Breton Island, like our homeland, mm -hmm. and then they generously included two salty scotian shirts shirts bland, branded salty scotian so that's All amazing right. so thank you mike and yvette uh, thank you so much mike and yvette i am i am proud of my saltiness you certainly are yeah yeah and i'll wear that t-shirt with salty pride <laughs> And spread the salt all throughout the land. Absolutely. You remember that voicemail. That I do. Voicemail, yeah. Right? Salty. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, 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 I'm feeling more saltier as the weeks go by now. And now that I know that there are other salty Scotians out there, I'm, I'm ready to absolutely be as salty as possible. Well, let's get into it. Uh, salt, so that's, that's the listener mail. We're caught up. Should we jump headfirst into the controversy surrounding Tim Hortons or should we save that? Uh, I think the people are here for that, but, um, I mean, a lot could change in between now and when this episode actually airs. Mm, but so that's... we should clarify that we're going in just with what we know at this point. We are going to be covering breaking news. This is news that is, I think it's fair to say has gone viral about Tim Hortons walking all over an innocent man. Yeah. The everyday working man. Let me tell you what's going on here. So I woke up this morning and noticed throughout the day a series of direct messages, emails, all sorts of communication from people trying to make us aware of something that's going on to a man in Nova Scotia who is claiming that Tim Hortons in their, what I know as the roll up the rim campaign, but I guess they rebranded it as the roll up to win campaign because you don't actually roll up the win the rim anymore as i've learned uh there is allegations surrounding a bait and switch by tim hortons so as the story goes the man and you, you'll hear him speak because i spoke i was on the phone with him today um the man cashed in his bought his coffee when he cashed in his prize and i'm giving you the short version now it came up you win ten thousand dollars you know, which is like the mm -hmm. grand prize for the campaign. Of course, he's pumped, but that quickly was deflated when shortly after he received an email from Tim Hortons. The email says, and I'll read it verbatim. Hi, Scott. Thank you for being a valued Tim Hortons guest. I'm reaching out to share that for a few hours on Monday morning, a technical error caused an issue for a small group of roll up to win players that you're part of. For every eligible role revealed, guests are automatically entered in a daily jackpot. There is one ultimate winner of each day's jackpot, and that winner is notified by email the following day. 
your role that you revealed were entered into the jackpot. Unfortunately, as part of the entry, you were presented with an incorrect award message for a prize that's not available to be won instantly. Your prize timeline and the roll-up to win game shows the correct entry into the jackpot. At Tim Hortons, we pride ourselves on delivering an exceptional guest experience. We regret any confusion and disappointment caused by this error, and we're sending you a $50 Tim card to your Tim's Rewards account, and thank you for understanding. Once again, thank you for being a Tim Hortons guest. So wow. ultimately, he wins, he celebrates, tries to cash in his prize, and ends up with an email from Tim Hortons letting him know that no. No, you didn't win. Your so, first uh, your first loss was actually buying our coffee. Your second loss is the humiliation. Yeah. As I mentioned, I got on the phone with this guy this morning and wanted to get the story directly from him. You want to hear what he had to say? Um, on the edge of my seat waiting to hear this. Yeah. Okay. Buckle <laughs> up because you're, you're not going to like this. Seatbelts on. Where we're going. We don't need roads. Hey, hey Scott. How's it going? This morning I had probably within the last half hour, I probably got 20 messages of people sending me your, uh, your Facebook post. Do you, do you mind if I ask a few questions about it? Absolutely. You're in Nova Scotia, am I right? Yeah, I, I'm from uh, Cobra. Okay. Looking at your Facebook post, as far as I could tell, you uh, entered like bought a coffee, entered the roll up the rim campaign and got the notice that you won 10,000, a $10,000 MasterCard. Prepaid American Express card. Okay. So when you see yeah. when you see that, probably we're celebrating right away. No, no, there's my luck. There was lots of doubt. Let's go back. Like I got this in Alberta. I'm a long haul truck driver. Yeah. And uh, I was on the Crow's Nest Pass heading for uh, Idaho. So I grabbed my last Canadian coffee before I drink the swill down here. <laughs> and I forgot all about rolling the rib until about 20 minutes from the border. And I'm like, oh yeah, roll the rib. Boom. That's what I get. 10 grand right off the bat. I was like, no way. <laughs> And so and I'm like, no, nah, not with my luck. This is something's wrong. And then I didn't hear anything. I emailed the them because they're impossible to get a hold of. Yeah. Impossible. And I said, hey, I just want to know how to redeem this. They sent me this generic email. Oh, you know, you can go, go to the new app and this page. Okay, that's not working. I need someone to call me. I said, I, you know, I was thinking if I did win, it's not showing up because I'm in the U.S. I need to scan my card back to Canada. So I'll be back again to Thursday. I'm like, okay, I'll scan it Thursday as soon as I get across the border. And it'll tell me if I won or not. So last night, I'm sitting there, and I get an email saying, hey, sorry, our screw up. Uh, you didn't win. We're going to give you $50, though. <laughs> and it's a $50 gift card for Tim's, right? Take 50, shine it up real nice, and shove it up your ass. I don't want it. Oh, my. Like, so I, who would, right? That's yeah. an insult. Oh, exactly. And and this is like this just happened to you. Like you just got that email about the fifty dollar gift card for Tim's last, last night. Last night. Yeah. So, so where's it at now? Are you are you disputing it with them or what? What are you gonna do? I emailed them back and I said I don't want your fifty dollars. Um, you told me I want ten thousand. And uh, of course they have the to be verified on there, so they they're legally they're covered. Okay. Right. Any yeah. court's gonna throw that out and say no, it has to be verified. But the court of public opinions more important oh yeah in my mind i'm right. already on your side you they owe you 10 grand as far as i can tell yeah and i told lydia so i've been a loyal tim Hortons drinker for 35 years probably drank my last cop oh shit right all right because you know 
you don't do that to your customers. I, I worked retail for 21 years. Customer used to be always right. You went out to, you know, you, you honored mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. This is a, this is a mess. And I, I can understand why you'd be upset about it. I think a $50 gift card is a slap in their face. But then again, they just lost a class action lawsuit in, in which they uh, ended up giving all the people affected by the lawsuit for a privacy breach, a free coffee and donut. So uh, yeah. I, I think giving you $50 for your $10,000 win is uh, about on par for what I would expect. But yeah, I, yeah. I think... Um, I'm a multi-billion dollar company. Oh, exactly. That's made their money off the backs of hardworking Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah, certainly. And in looking at your Facebook post, uh, people are largely on your side. People from all over the country are commenting on it uh, unanimously saying, Tim Hortons, you owe Scott $10,000. So I hope the media attention helps you, and I, I hope you get something um, more than a $50 gift card. I, hey, man, it's not just me. There's a few of us. I've gotten emails or uh, messages today from at least six different people who got the same message, right? There's a lot of us who got, you know, mistakes happen, but you're still going to honor it. You're a big business worth billions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not going to break their bank. I mean, am I expecting 10000 from them? No, I'll never see that. Mm-hmm. But I expect more than a $50 slap face. Yeah. And if they're going to give me a $50 gift card, take it to McDonald's one. Ha, <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I love that comment that he makes at the end. If you're going to give me a $50 gift card, yeah, make, make it a it McDonald's, McDonald's one. one. That's, That's a commercial that... right there for McDonald's. So. Yes, they should reach out to this guy. Uh, so this yeah. all just happened today. I'm already seeing CBC has a story about it. Globe, I think Global and CTV also have stories about it. So mm-hmm. uh, Tim's is going to have to comment on it in some way. Apparently, he's one of many. I've seen at least six different people mentioned as being a victim of the Tim Hortons bait and switch. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know about you, but I am firmly on hashtag team Scott. Hashtag team Scott. Me too. I'm a I'm hundred percent on Scott's team. This is again, like when you think about what, so say like right now, how many do we know of that have received this email? Like at least six people have mistakenly gotten this, you know, email through the app or whatever the, who thought they won $10,000 six is then is what I've seen, but that's just people who've gone public with it online. That's just people who've gone public. That could change by the time this episode airs. Sure. Um, but we know a few people have gotten it, this mistaken message that they've won $10,000, uh, just pay it out because the publicity and the bad press and another drop in the bucket for bad press for Tim Hortons, mm-hmm. privacy breaches, uh, shitty food, poor, poor quality of, you know, uh, of their food has, has dropped significantly. Like Tim Hortons is, is just digging the hole deeper and deeper. And when you have this come up, you've got to move fast. You've got to pay these people out the $10,000 or else they're going to social media over this. Seriously. And then I'll, and, and if it really blows up, it's going to end up on the nighttime podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not what they want because no. they know that we are taking them down. Yeah. And this is just more ammunition in our machine gun of um, um, justice against McDonald's uh, gift certificates. <laughs> uh, in in my talk with Scott, he you may have heard him mention or make reference to 
on his when he won what came up on the screen showed you're a winner you won a ten thousand dollar prepaid gift card and then it had like star to be verified so his opinion is that that is likely going to get them out of having to pay in a court of law but mm -hmm. not in the court of public opinion i agree with that to an extent but star to be verified to me what that says is like you need to like come here and i don't know prove you bought the coffee and you know prove that you're of a certain age and you're i don't know a canadian right citizen. right you, you get to make, meet whatever conditions they've deemed to be appropriate for that yeah. prize but and that's what that's what i think i think they owe him 10 grand i don't see absolutely i think if you're going to send that email you know accidentally or not once that email goes out to a customer it's like a, it's like a sale, you know, honoring a sale price, you know, on, on a storefront. If you mistakenly put the wrong price on that sale, then you've got to honor that in the store because that's what it said when you were going up to the storefront mm -hmm. and you saw the sign in the window saying 50% off all shoes or whatever it is. And you go in and say, oh, that was a mistake. It was supposed to be, uh, you know, 15% off and we wrote it down wrong. It doesn't matter. You got to honor that or else give Scott his money. Yeah. Give Scott his money. And I, I also found it, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but it's $10,000 American express prepay card. I don't know if that's a slap in the face to Canadians, not that credit card <laughs> companies are really Canadian companies, but you would think Tim Hortons would at least have some kind of a, yeah, like ten thousand dollars, not an American Express card. Yeah, you think they'd shy away from that, where they're so keen on having any kind of Canadian connection emblazoned on all of their marketing materials. You think it would be, I don't know, like you would think it would just be ten thousand dollars, but they have whatever you know, bubbling romance with American Express. Well, I'm sure Amer uh, it's a, it's a advertising exchange i'm sure american express is like we'll give you 30 ten thousand dollar gift cards for at you know seven thousand a piece if you put our logo and name on all of your yeah 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 so hmm. it's just um ah, tim hortons i don't know they're just spinning around in circles right now hmm. and they just can't get it right mm -hmm. well uh, I think we've made it clear what side we're on. And I think Canadians, based on what I'm seeing online, are making it clear that they're all on hashtag Team Scott. I'm hoping to see Tim Hortons make this right with him some in some way or at least. Well, they're going to the have business. to now. They're going to have to. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They have no choice but uh, to give him the $10,000 and give anybody who got that message the ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars because the roll up the rim that that's been tim horton's legacy for yeah well they've already spoiled that i found out today i i was actually bought a tea at tim horton's hoping that i could win ten thousand dollars like scott did and i'd have more to talk about on this episode mm -hmm. i like quickly chug the tea and then when i'm rolling up the rim there's just nothing under there despite there's nothing the, under there anymore i no. had no idea and then it yeah turned, yeah that's been turned, gone for a while yeah that's what's so bizarre is i still call it roll up the rim well no it's now it's called roll up to win roll up to win oh that's so stupid the whole yeah. thing is tim hortons is so stupid just well, my god how is this how is this even a functioning business anymore? Okay. well we've been down this road enough we get uh, on occasion we'll get emails like you guys got to stop talking about Tim's. We're now, um, I don't even know how long into this episode we are. And 
But this is special. We had to get into this. Let's move on to, actually, before we move on to the stories, let me introduce the episode. Because what we just did was our emergency broadcast addressing something that's in the news that's relevant to public interest. But our mandate is much broader than that, where we have a mandate to to seek out, share, and highlight, and in some cases celebrate the offbeat and unusual stories that have graced uh, Canadians coast to coast over the last week. And we do have a loaded card. Of course, we went through Tim Horton's bait and switch, but we're also going to talk about a graveyard on strike. We're going to talk about how Jeep plus bakery equals nails. And then I'll have to double check that uh, with goodwill hunting. And then we're going to talk about as well. We're going to talk about McDonald's very lazy Big Mac. Uh, we, we've been kind of bashing. Well, see, we're not just, that's what I was just about to say, was that we're accused uh, constantly of being too hard on Tim Hortons and always talking about, but tonight we are going to, we're going to have some fun with McDonald's tonight. Well, you know what? Let's just get right into it with McDonald's. Oh, I'm dying to get into this one. I've got it's, so much to say about this story. This is ridiculous. And this is McDonald's so clearly taking a page out of Tim Hortons marketing and product uh design book it's clear i'm going to tell you or i'm going to play a short clip that will share the story of what mcdonald's is celebrating as this amazing new big mac that they spent years developing and they're finally now selling to canadians uh i um Mm -hmm. i don't know if i've ever rolled my eyes as hard as someone is trying to sell me something stupid and there's more than just that to this there's there's a lot to sink your teeth into in this one good so let's hear about mcdonald's lazy new big mac canadian customers are about to get a new twist on the big mac a crispy chicken version but as beth mcdonnell reports it wasn't as simple as swapping out the beef for bird a toronto chef spent years crafting the new menu item biting into it for the first time you get a Some may see it as simply another sandwich or a slightly gussied up chicken burger. But for those with a zest for the new and never before released, the chicken Big Mac may take the cake at McDonald's. What I love about it is that it is, it tastes like a Big Mac with a different Jeff Anderson is the Toronto area trained chef on the menu team who's been perfecting Canada's version of the chicken Big Mac. He has a background working in restaurants and hotels. It's been a project more than two years in the making. When we're looking at these type of innovations that we're following, you know, the identity of the Big Mac, but that we're bringing it in to, you know, our Canadian sourced chicken, our dairy is produced in Canada. So we do have to take those elements And how do we scale those up? We're super excited to bring the Chicken Big Mac to Canadian customers, and we can't wait to hear the feedback. Earlier versions of the Chicken Big Mac were tried in the U.S. and U.K., but come Tuesday, Canadians will get their chance to take a bite for a limited time. Okay, where are we going to start with this nonsense? Oh, the crack of the pickle. That's where we're starting. (laughs) But didn't the original Big Mac had a pickle? So how is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's trying to justify this insane menu item this the thing that blows my mind about this is two years to perfect it yeah what was he doing for those two years what was no i have no idea he was (laughs) what was he doing it two years this is how i know we did not land on the moon Mm. because (laughs) 
There, there's absolutely no, if it takes two years of, uh, of God knows the size of the team that have been working on this, you know, professional chefs, they say, <laughs> if it took two years to perfect the McChicken Big Mac, then it's it, it then there's no hope for humanity there's no yeah. way that we had the technology to land on the moon because if we if it if the technology we have today took us two years to make this sandwich there's no way we were able to land on yeah. the moon if you go behind the counter at mcdonald's there's literally like three different patties they have like a larger one that's like the quarter pounder the regular size one that's for like a hamburger there's two of them on the big mac and then there's the chicken burgers you know one or two different types it appears that all they did was simply swap out a beef patty for one of the chicken patties. Like there's no innovation. No, I heard it's not that that it's not that exact chicken patty. It is a different chicken patty from I, what I saw on TikTok. Somebody was reviewing this uh, McChicken Big Mac. Uh, mm, uh, that, so they that said it's interesting. They said it's a different chicken patty, but the chicken is the same. Yeah. Like, who are you trying to fool here that the chicken is different or that this is just not the buns falling on the floor and then and then you picking it up and putting chicken in instead? It's uh, it, it's just like what Tim Hortons does is it's they just come up with some stupid new thing and pump marketing dollars into it, knowing and it's of course, it's advertises for a limited time because they know people won't buy this long term. They just want to sell it to you once and get you in the store once and make their dollar off you and then come up with some other new thing. This scares me that McDonald's, who we've often praised as being the better choice versus Tim Hortons in the coffee game, mm -hmm. it scares me that they're going down that road. Oh, it's a very Tim Hortons move. And it's just, a, oh my God, what else can we do? I'm ashamed that there's a that that this is being branded as a Canadian sandwich, really. Well, it's because it's Canadian sourced chicken. Canadian source chicken. Yeah, I'm sure the chickens were just lining up. Couldn't wait to get into those Big Mac buns. Yeah, to represent Canada. This is what's good. The animals that are that are revolting against us and are rising up against us. Like this these, is this is why. If we're ever wondering when the animals come knocking at your door and they're going to take everything you own, this is why. This mm -hmm. is why. Because mm -hmm. not only are we, you know, are we killing them, we're putting them in dumb sandwiches. <laughs> Yeah, it's like literally a pointless death with no honor. No honor at all. Like just a it's it's a total disguise for a stupid idea. Mm. It's I can't believe this is happening. Two years it took them. It took <laughs> them two years to do this. <laughs> Once you decide you're gonna make a McChicken Big Mac, you just do it. You just put the freaking chicken in the buns. You don't take mm -hmm. time to do this. Mm -hmm. This is can you imagine the salaries that these people got paid? To perfect, in quotes, the McChicken Big Mac, yeah, whatever I, they call it. Um, well, they're doing it. If any listeners of Nighttime try it and want to share their thoughts on it, uh, let us know in a voice memo. I maybe, you know, maybe we're going to be surprised. Uh, I highly doubt we're going to hear any rave reviews about whatever they call it. The Lazy Big Mac is what I call it, or the listen. Bring back the pizza. If you're going to do anything, bring back the pizza. Why are we waiting on this? Or what about the cookies? Do they sell those cookies? Oh, I don't know. I I used to eat those cookies. When bring them young. back yeah, too. But let's bring back the pizza. Like, come on, we all miss it. We all love it. It was actually good. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on. We're let's put fast food and coffee and those concerns behind us, and let's move on to maybe something heavier like our own mortality.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after you eat uh, a, a McChicken Big Mac, uh, the graveyard is exactly where you're heading. So. <laughs> yeah, you have enough of them. Uh, let's um, climb down into the graveyard. I've always, maybe I'm a, a bit, bit dark and creepy, but I've always found graveyards as pleasant places to be. As a teenager, we would often um, find our way to a graveyard to hang out at some point in the in the evening. It was a quiet place, often uh, isolated, and just I don't know. There's something about graveyards. I'm I'm okay with it. What are your thoughts on graveyards? Um, I mean, they're a good place to rest eternally. Um, mm -hmm. and, and some of them are, are quite, uh, visually stunning. Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it looks a lot like a public park or something. If you can, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's, it's a public park, but with a lot of history mixed in as well, because you can learn a lot about life and the people who lived in it. It is from. interesting to walk around, look at the gravestones and, and read the dates that people had passed and, uh, imagine who they were. Yeah. The idea of a graveyard being a business, though, is weird. I don't think a lot of people think of a graveyard as a business. I don't think your your mind really goes there unless you had a loved one who passed and you had to actually spend the money to, you know, get them in a graveyard and buy a headstone and all that. I've always thought of it as kind of like a public space. And I don't think I've ever thought of the monetary side of it. Uh, but a graveyard, much like every other kind of business, especially every other kind of unionized business, uh, employees can be unhappy. And when employees are unhappy, all hell can break loose. And in fact, mm -hmm. right now in Montreal, one of Canada's largest graveyard, the workers have been on strike for, well, office workers for a little over a year and the general workers for the last three months. And this strike has led to basically the, the large gates of the cemetery or graveyard being chained up uh, preventing people from seeing their loved ones. Here's a news report where we're going to hear from some of the brokenhearted people outside of those gates that um, want to see their loved ones. It's been three months since Alfred Lalonde was able to visit his wife Janine's grave. By the time, by the time I get buried, these people here will be standing out here still. He came here every week last summer and had to hike through grass up to his knees. But two weeks ago, Lalonde and his daughter were faced with an unpleasant surprise on the fifth anniversary of Janine's death. There's a security at la porte. They wouldn't let us in. And there was other people that were here that arrived from France to come and see their loved one before going back to France that night. And they couldn't get in. Among those hurting, these two mothers who still have decorations from Christmas on their children's graves. Sometimes at night we actually drive down, we live in Laval, and we drive down, just we go through Mount Royal so we could pass by the section that he's at because it's where Mount Royal is or the Beaver Lake is, and we'll scream out, hi Peter, just so we could feel like, okay, we came, we, this is the closest we can get to you. What was her name? Vanessa. Vanessa, Vanessa Musacchio. We haven't been able to come, and I feel as if I'm a bad neighbor. Sorry. The 169-year-old cemetery is a non-profit. Money from the families pays the employees' salaries. They, too, are worried that this will soon drag out through the summer season. We really made sure that we did everything else before going on strike. I guess four years for us and five for the office workers shows that it wasn't our first option to go on strike. 
In an email, the cemetery's management team says it wants to reach an agreement as soon as possible. In the meantime, it is focused on providing mausoleum burials and cremation services. Sasha Tiemann, CTV News. That's simply unimaginable. The the yeah. first, the old man at the beginning who's like, by the time I'm buried in here, there'll be still people standing outside. And, and the other, one of the mothers who uh, were uh, wanted to visit their young uh, daughter who had passed away that was that was crying in that news report. That's, that's awful. I've never heard of a graveyard going on strike. And I don't know why a strike includes sealing up the gates. Sealing it up. That's the part that... I mean, it seems like they're trying to, um, the workers are trying to do another, take it another step further and mm -hmm. actually close the gates so people can't get in to put pressure on management mm -hmm. to come to a resolution with this thing. But I don't think that's the answer. Yeah, I, I thought that that maybe what was, was what was happening, but there's a bit of a hint in there of, of another explanation. If you remember the older man at the beginning of the news report, he says, when I visited last time, I had to like, wade through like tall grass so mm -hmm. it seems like the the inside of the graveyard where the people who maintain everything aren't working they're on strike it's all kind of grown in so there would be if you were the ones who owned that graveyard there would be a risk that someone would get hurt you know this old guy or something would you know trip and get injured or something so there's a kind of a, yeah. a, a risk but of i mean we're in the there. we're in the middle of winter right now well the snow's not cleared the snow's not clear. And the ice is like, you know, it's not salted and stuff. Like, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I can, like, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I could see a reason they're like, we can't have people walking in these um, unmaintained uh, pathways well, then, and stuff. I mean, I guess we don't know. Mm. Um, yeah. If it was management, if it was the workers that did it. Mm -hmm. um, either way, management should be able to like if it was management that decided we're going to close the gates because we don't want people coming in here when the graveyard isn't maintained. Mm. I mean, there's other ways for them to get it maintained while the instead of closing the gates, like, you know, they can get outside snow removal. They can do, you know, get a landscaping company to come in and, and mow the grass while, yeah. while the workers are on strike. Closing the gates is, is the last thing they should be doing because there's people that, need to visit these graves like it's not mm -hmm. a luxury this yeah. is it's not a hotel or something no no yeah. this, in, is, this is a graveyard like people need to be able to get in there absolutely and this whole strike revolves around the uh, a contract negotiation that has been going on going on since december 31st of 2018 that was when the contracts that the graveyard's ownership or whatever had with the workers in the union representing the workers. They've been negotiating since 28, the end of 2018 and the strike is just happening now. So it's um, at this point, it, I'm sure it's quite ugly. Whatever's happening behind the scenes it, saying like hire like a landscape company or snow removal does seem like an easy solution, but where this is, involves like a union, I could see there being, you know, I, it gets ugly when when there's strikes sure and unions. Yeah, and, yeah. But but it's just but again, it this is different than in it's my different mind. Than it's different than your yeah. average union versus management situation. This is a this is a graveyard, and mm -hmm. it's a it's a different level you're dealing with. And uh, closing the gates again should be the last thing you should be doing here. And and you need to give people access. To, 
to to come in and, and visit their family members and their that's crazy that's mm-hmm. crazy it is I've never been to Regina, Saskatchewan, but this story I'm told is a a very Regina thing to have happened in Regina, Saskatchewan. I don't know if you've heard about the the young man who was attacked at a bar with a toilet lid. I heard this story first thinking it was like the seat of a toilet, but no, this man in a nightclub was attacked by the big ceramic thing that sits on the back of a toilet. Let me just read you a bit of this uh, CTV news report. A 25-year-old man is recovering in a Regina hospital after an apparently unprovoked attack where he was hit in the head with a toilet tank lid in a nightclub washroom, and this is according to his mother. When her son tumbled bleeding from the washroom at Gabo's nightclub, the response of many patrons was to hold up their phones and take photos and videos, she says. One woman rushed over to help the, to help the bleeding from a gaping wound in his neck when someone affiliated with Gabos began slapping the raised phones down, the man's mother said. But despite all the phones at the ready, she says it was her son who ultimately managed to call 911 for help. This guy went and got the toilet tank lid and hit him over the head, his mother said. Police have asked for the public assistance in locating her son's alleged attacker, a man also thought to be around 25 years old with brown hair and a large build who is reportedly wearing black clothing. As the man who was attacked recovers in hospital, his mother's hoping someone comes forward with information. Who would do this? My son didn't even know him, she says. Do you have any theories on what this could be? And also, how do you even survive getting smacked over the head with those? Did you ever have to li- lift like the back of your toilet? To, like, oh, yeah. When, you know, when it's something's wrong and something's going on down there and you got to or you're going to give an upper decker. <laughs> At a, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, when you poop in the top part is like a in prank. The top part. Yeah. So you do have to lift the lid off for that. But yeah, you, I had the same impression as you when I read this story. I thought it was the toilet seat in my mind. And I'm like, how could a toilet seat do so much damage to somebody? Like, I never thought about ripping the toilet seat off and hitting somebody with it. But now, like, when you reiterated that, that it's 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 the, the top of the, the, the tank of the lid. Tank. Yeah. 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 Which that's you- a, that's heavy and that's super dangerous. Oh, my God. I'm I'm. Now that I realize that, I'm surprised the guy's alive. Yeah, that would be. I would think would be much worse than being hit over the head with a baseball bat or something. Look at that. That lid is a big, heavy ceramic thing. If if you yeah, because once that smashes, that's gonna you know slice your neck open like it did with this guy. Why would someone like? What would compel someone to choose that as a method of attack? If you're in a nightclub and you wanted to attack someone, wouldn't it be like I will use my fists? And if that doesn't work, wouldn't you just like smack them with a beer bottle or something? Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? The uh, well, <laughs> to go into the bathroom and take the top of the toilet tank off—that just seems bizarre. It's like I'm also wondering too. It's it's a double-edged sword because when you're taking a piece of the toilet and you're smashing it over somebody's head and then it's slicing them open, think of the germs too that are coming off of that uh, toilet yeah. lid. Yeah, you would. I would do that, and then I would want to wash my hands, which would just be like a weird scene. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's like that. That thing is, you know, slicing this guy's neck. That's going to leave. I mean, when you in a nightclub, the back, the the lid of a toilet is going to be covered in God knows what. Mm. The fluids that that bounce off of those things on a nightly basis, 
will keep you up at night. Mm. And, oh, and then uh, they trust get, me. I get and it. Then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I cut my hand at the dance at a really kind of seedy spot in Halifax? No, no. I was going in. I was, this was years and years ago. Uh, I was going into the bathroom, like a, one of the stalls at a pretty seedy late night nightclub. And the spot where you like kind of lock the stall, like you grab this little metal thing and slide it over to engage the lock. I did it and I was like, ow. And then I like pulled my hand back and the metal was kind of like jagged there and it oh, sliced yeah. my thumb open. And yeah, and I was like, stressed out for like months about that being like what am like how many things did i catch from catch, cutting my hand that, well the yeah. answer is everything yeah but you uh, caught everything now i have superpowers and it all worked out yes but, yes that's right but yeah. but this is yeah what would what would provoke someone to do this i mean it's a nightclub uh you've seen worse you've seen better it's you don't even i don't even really have to wrap my mind around the motivation it's could have been an argument. Oh, you bumped into him. Uh, Someone was, you know, on some kind of drugs and went and grabbed the lid of the toilet. And Funny you said drugs because uh, someone from Saskatchewan, Madeleine Klein, is in the chat. And what she says is the only thing I can think of is that you do drugs off the tank. Maybe there was an argument or something. So, yeah. Maybe. Doing drugs off the tank. Yeah, that is where you do drugs in a nightclub bathroom. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it could have been Who something. Who knows that... what could have. I mean um that could be anything it could be absolutely you could you could spend weeks dreaming up all different types of scenarios you could, you could spend two years why. working yeah, you could this. spend two years uh you could spend five minutes on making a mcchicken big mac and you could spend eternity dreaming up reasons somebody can hit somebody else with a toilet <laughs> uh so this is a mystery we haven't solved let me take you to another rather mysterious story i titled this one car uh jeep plus bakery equals nails and this is something quite remarkable listen to this new it's a short news clip but then we'll add some context by reading sections of an article listen to what happened at a nail salon in um in woodbridge it's an interesting story kind of weird too a jet smashed into the front of an ontario jeep rather smashed into the front of an ontario bakery then the driver of the jeep reportedly got out of the vehicle and went and got her nails done right next door. Well, just, it might have not been that yeah, this was the aftermath. It happened Friday morning at Guilty Pleasures Dessert Cake. That's a bakery in Woodbridge, Ontario, outside Toronto. There are no reported injuries. The bakery was actually closed at the time of the crash. But owners say there is serious structural damage. Police say this is considered to be a minor incident and that no charges have yet been laid. So the news report's pretty light in details. It leaves us wondering, like, what? Like, he, she hit the bakery and then just went next door and got her nails done? I had to read up a little bit more to get an understanding of what happens. And, yeah, it's, they pretty much got it right in that short report. Let me read you a bit. Yeah, of, yeah, there's not much else to say about it. Let me read you a bit <laughs> That's about exactly what happened. Yeah, I'll tell you how it happened. So a bakery in Woodbridge, Ontario says a driver crashed into their storefront on Friday morning, then allegedly proceeded to get their nails done at the salon next door, as we know. Nobody was in the Guilty Pleasures Dessert Cafe at the time because it opens at 11 a.m. and this happened first thing in the morning. But here's where the owner has to chime in. The owner says, I received a phone call from my mom saying that I needed to rush to the store because someone had crashed into it, Tan Verbawa, one of the owners says. When Bawa arrived, 
he turned off the store alarm and saw that the front door had been sealed off already. He said that the business next door, a nail salon, had contacted his sister, who operates the, the bakery with him, to tell her that the driver who crashed into the storefront was inside the salon. And now they're quoting the owner again. So she basically crashed into the store. Her husband came and picked up the car and drove it away while she was over there getting her nails done. I asked her, I was like, are you okay? And she was just giggling. She just said, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm telling you, this whole time, there was not one single apology from her. Bawa told CTV News. I'm not looking for an apology, but this is a big thing. To me, it's a big, big thing. This is my bread and butter. It's not just putting a wood piece up on the window because there's glass broke. There is serious structural damage. There's no way of just doing some patchwork and saying this will work for now. They're going to need to tear this whole thing down. On Monday, Simran, the owner, said the insurance provider told her that since there's still electricity and water running and the door to get inside the bakery functions, they're required to stay open. Now they're quoting him one last time, my store is an eyesore at this moment, and it just looks like a business that's been closed for good. On Instagram, the bakery announced it will be temporarily closed for takeout and delivery services at this time. So, yeah, this is a, uh, that's, oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> well, how is it? How is the driver not like ticketed or something? How, can you just drive into a well, business? Well, why isn't, and, I mean, the drop, okay, she smashes into the bakery. She goes next door and gets her nails done. So we know she did it. Like there's no secret that she's the one that did it. Right. Mm -hmm. So why isn't her vehicle insurance covering the damage to the bakery? That would make sense. And who boarded up the business and stuff? Like, it seems like there's so much of the story missing. By the time the owner gets on the scene, he says it was already boarded up. The car's gone because her husband had got it and she's getting her nails done. So she must have called the police or something. Because even if she didn't, like not reporting an accident is a crime in itself. If the um, if the husband got the vehicle and drove it away before police were on scene and stuff like that would be problems. But it seems, according to that news clip and what they had to say in the article, the police don't care it. about it. Yeah, actually, DC in the chat makes a good point. DC says she's probably married to a cop. <laughs> <laughs> but so, the, but but in the in the report, they're saying, oh, you know, the police said it was a minor incident, and it's, and there's nothing else really to be said about it. But I don't, I don't, I still don't understand. It just seems so, it just seems so funny to me. Like it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. You do see that how a lot, it was though. handled. Right? Yeah. You do see a lot like people driving their, like backing their car up, thinking it's in drive or vice versa and hitting a business. But I would just assume if you, and, and I watched some of the videos of like from the security camera inside where you see the vehicle, like hit the front window and like the wall, like crushes in and all the glass shatters it's serious damage. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing where it's just like, oh, crap, I wrecked that business. I've got to get my nails. Off. I got that appointment. It just yeah, seems yeah. like it should be more of an inconvenience, at least. Yeah, it seems so bizarre how the whole thing is handled. What's happening? Again, why, why isn't her vehicle insurance covering the damage to the store? I, I can't mm. understand. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And it'd be different if she drove away and there was no video footage of it. There was no knowledge of who did it, but they know who did it. So how come they can't just do that? Mm -hmm. This is a mystery. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. You know, we're not solving many cases tonight.
No, we're not. We usually no. have a good track record of solving these things. Um, I can't. I can't even come up with a. I can. I can better explain why somebody would hit someone else with a toilet than I can. <laughs> why nobody went after this woman through her insurance. So of everything we talked about tonight, and we've been through a lot, what is the biggest mystery we've uncovered? Is it Tim Hortons? The, the motive behind Tim Hortons' bait and switch? Is it uh, what that McDonald's chef was doing for the last two years? That's the biggest mystery. That has to be, right? Well, I mean, that, that's, but that's unsolvable. Only he knows. And when he's fired from McDonald's, there will be a tell-all book that he'll release. My two years developing the McChicken Big Mac. Yeah, it's because it's yeah. literally what he did is the equivalent of, imagine I came up with like, my kids wake up and they're like, we got cereal today, boys. But I've been working on something for the last two years. We're using orange juice instead of milk. Mm -hmm. There's been two years of work. And then I serve it up. Like they, what he did to me doesn't seem much more impressive than that. It's just, it's, it's, it's astonishing. How does he, how does he get out of bed, this man? How does mm -hmm. he get out of bed in the morning, mm -hmm. look himself in the mirror mm -hmm. and say, I did this two years. This is, this is me. Uh, two years <laughs> of my life, two years of my life is up on that order screen. That's just going to be disposed of into a toilet that eventually somebody's going to hit somebody with and everybody goes to jail. Uh, Aaron, this has been a wild one. Uh, I'm glad that you're able to carve some time out of your busy schedule to ultimately shine a light on these stories and certainly to point a finger of uh, contempt at Tim Hortons for what they're trying to pull mm. on Scott. Uh, I'm excited to see where that story goes, but we're going to save that for next week. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, don't trust everything you see in your roll-up to win rewards inventory. Just make sure you claim that prize. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I to meet our mandate to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support in this mission. If something weird happened in your neck of the woods, let us know. And the best way to do that is by sending us a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. Now, before I wrap up this episode, let me give some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides this series intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. And on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Heidi, Don, and Cheryl, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can do so in a variety of ways. A subscription to the premium feed costs just a bit more than a cup of coffee, but gives you the episodes ad-free and two days early, as well as gives you access to a full back catalog of nighttime episodes. And if you can't support the show by way of a premium feed subscription, you can simply share this episode on social media and let some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or would like to contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until next time, Take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, 
Let me know if you say anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Maybe you want to stick around for this, Aaron. We heard Norm from Las Vegas in the last episode make a, a, a quick kind of jab at Randy, calling him creepy, I think is what he said. I told Randy about this. Mm-hmm. He said, you owe it to me to give me a chance to say my piece. You're such a you're such a narc, though. My God, you ran, you ran right to I Randy ran. and you had to tell him what, <laughs> what he said. Well, I told him he could have the chance to hear it and address it. But just remember, Jordan, snitches get stitches. See what see if that's what happens. Hey man. Hey, you're live on air. How you doing? Good. What's going on? Well, you, I told you what's going on is someone in Vegas uh, had some crap to say about you, and you wanted an opportunity to hear it and address it. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to uh, defend myself for my fans, right? For the Rand Club the rand club okay yeah. let's see um what are you doing over there just chilling i was actually just watching this uh new documentary on that missing plane there. oh mh370 yeah all right well let's get into it here's what norm had to say he originally wrote to aaron and i to weigh in on a story about a cop out west who uh while on duty he got out of his car because he saw a caribou and he went to shoot at the caribou and missed the caribou and hit his own cruiser and ended up losing his job as a result in the middle of that he takes a stab at you listen to this okay hi jordan and aaron this is norm from vegas i was just listening to your most recent episode of keep canada weird and just as a preliminary comment i would like to say i'm glad that handsome aaron airport decided to stay with the show I think he's great. Also, because I think that Randy guy is kind of creepy. But that's not what I called about. I called about the caribou incident. Mm. Wow. So you laugh, but is that a laugh of pain? Is that a laugh of anger? Oh, Oh, I don't think that's any. That's just that guy being that guy, right? You You think it's just the way he is? That's just the way he is, you know, that's, that's fine. Like, you know, he's entitled to that. Uh, and that, that's no loss to me. Like that guy, you know, what's his name? Norm. 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 Sorry, bud. But you know, that's cool. You're probably pretty creepy too. So. Oh, All right. Oh, no, wanna, it's about to go back down. and forth now. This is about to snowball. um well i thought you'd take it worse that you actually were quite mature about it yeah you know whatever i'm not not gonna let some guy who lives in the states you know oh here we go oh no culture war now (laughs) you're better than that right yeah i'm not gonna let him get me down no no okay um he lives in sin city for crying out loud yeah uh his thing was you're creepy have you ever got that before and do you know why he would think that I mean, I'm sure I've gotten it, like, maybe, but not from someone, like, who I've never met. Like, I don't think he's ever seen me or mm-hmm. anything, you know? Like, yeah. I've probably gotten, you know, you know, maybe I do give off that little bit of a creeper vibe, Jordan. Who knows, bud? Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> either way, I'm, I wanted to give you a chance to respond. Um, you fired back at Norm, and yeah. it is what it is. All right, Randy. Well, thanks for giving me some of your time, buddy. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye. See you. Bye. 
So I just want to say something, Aaron. You heard all that clearly, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. Did you notice that Randy seemed to be a, like, I get, he even said himself, like, I get it sometimes, but it's usually from people who know me. Mm-hmm. And he seemed like dismissive of Norm because Norm doesn't know me. So he doesn't have like, and maybe I do give off a creeper vibe. Like, I feel yeah. like he just pled guilty. I'm on team Norm. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah, he just kind of took it laying down, I guess. He said, yeah, maybe I am a creep. You know, maybe maybe Norm's right. Yeah, well, he didn't say that, but with his words. But if you read between the lines, yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. But I can I can state officially on the record that, that Randy, not a creep. Not a creep, um, but he's definitely, would you say eccentric? Oh, he's got some eccentric qualities, but I find them all to be quite positive. Yeah. Uh, but there's a word for that when it's like a, a pleasant eccentric. Uh, he's very. Um, oh, he's lovable. Yeah, he's a lovable guy. And yeah, he's always yeah. he's like a I think if Randy got to know I think if uh, Norm got to know Randy, it sounds like a sitcom we could make here. Would we pair them up? The well, Norm and Randy do, show. We could send Randy to Vegas, where Norm mm. is, and spend a week out there. That would I bet you by the well, end the of first, it, the first the first episode the first several episodes is just Randy looking for Norm. So he's asking, he's going door to door, he's really trying to find where is Norm, and then he finally the last episode in the cliffhanger is that he meets Norm, mm-hmm. he finds him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I, I would dare say when they do meet, they would be fast friends, and uh, within a day or two together in Vegas, uh, Randy be like a brother to Norm. I'm willing to bet. Yeah, yeah. I think birds of a feather on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, mystery solved. Well, we finally solved one tonight. <laughs>